This is Bet MGM tonight. Join us for live sweats. Yes. That was a big balls three. Instant reaction. This is an unbelievable thing for me to see. My favorite team, my true favorite team. Less mistress, more side piece. And maybe a few regrettable decisions. Oh, he's got bust written all over him. Gutekind sucks. Jordan Edison ran a 5-3-40 and he's Tristis height. I'd take him. You know what you shouldn't have done? Bet on the Wizards. Yep. Now, live from Washington, D.C., it's Ryan Horvat, Trista Crick, and Nick Ashew. And as the days go by, more and more breaking news in the NFL just continues to slap us in the face, which nobody's complaining about, let's be honest. I love it. We're on Twitch. We're on YouTube. We're on the free Odyssey app. We're nationwide on the BetQL network. Ryan's here. Trista's here. I'm here. Bill Belichick is no longer going to be in New England. I I guess we knew it was coming, but... To just finally see that after Nick Saban yesterday and you know, even the Mike Vrabel firing we thought was crazy and Pete Carroll, it's just been it's been a whirlwind 48 hours, guys. I think it's one of the most interesting coaching carousels I've ever seen. Oh, yes. Yeah. It also means that we're getting old, right? Pete Carroll, Bill Belichick, <laughs> Nick Saban. Now, why why, why you have to go that route, None man? of them are going to be on the sidelines. Why do you have to go year? that route? Why are you going to ruin everything? It's crazy. So, um, <laughs> not surprised at all about the Bill Belichick stuff, right? We kind of knew that was coming with Robert Kraft pretty much telling us a couple weeks ago that this was coming. Uh, Pete Carroll, that one surprised me a little mm-hmm. bit. But the most shocking thing was Nick Saban for me. I mean, I, I should have saw it coming, right? He did college game day. I, th- I think he's going to be in a broadcast booth. I, I think too. he's going to be working for ESPN. Without but, a doubt. Like, you go back to that Tennessee game, and they beat Tennessee, and then after the game he did a victory lap around the stadium. Now that makes sense, because at the time I was thinking, like, you're just going to beat Tennessee in, like, 11 months anyway. Why are we doing this right now? But now it makes sense. It was the last time he was ever going to beat Tennessee. It was the last time he was ever going to play against them. And, uh, yeah, so what a wild couple days, though. How long, how long ago do you guys think he made that decision? Nick Saban? Yes. I think he knew coming into the season. Yeah. So? yeah, yeah, I think he did it the right way, too, right? It wasn't a distraction. It didn't take away from the team. I think this was his best coaching job. But, I mean, you go back to, like, what Shashevsky did his last year at Duke, and it was, like, the Coach K going away party yep. every arena, every time. Uh, you know, the Syracuse game, the North Carolina game. How many going away parties did we have? And I feel like at the end of the season, well, you could say that was a distraction, but didn't they go to the Final Four regardless yep. and play against North Carolina? Um yeah, but I kind of like the way that he did it. But I think definitely going into the season, he was probably about 80%, 90% sure that this was it. And then the quarterback controversy, you had two, you're benching Jalen Milrow, you don't really have the most talented team that you've had. Yeah. It was just an absolute grind and struggle to get to the Final Four. I mean, that loss against Texas was huge. So if you're him, you're like, I don't think I can go through this again I already work my ass off when my team's head and shoulders better than everyone else I don't know how much I want to work when my team's at a significant disadvantage with the NIL stuff you also forget that he's in his 70s and that's the other thing too with some of these college coaches I feel like NIL and uh also um the transfer portal have just like they're like all right we're too old for this stuff you know that that's meant for like Dan Lanning 37 years old (laughs) you know Kalen DeBoer who I think that should be who Alabama goes after because Sark's most likely going back to Texas as Quinn Ewers announces today that he's going back. And I don't even know that I would want Sark. Like, I like him as a play caller. I know he beat Alabama last year, but, like, in big games, I don't know if I fully trust him. Go back to the Washington game. You have a defense that can't stop the run. You saw what uh, what Michigan did against them. And yet, even though you're averaging eight, nine yards per carry, you drop Quinn Ewers back 42 times. So 
Lane would make sense, but I, if I'm Lane, I'm going back to Ole Miss. This I is probably your best chance to win there. We were talking about this last night on the show, and we'll get to our the bets we want to give out oh, in yeah. a second. Actually, do we have anything that's like starting right now, guys, that you want to get out? Because the, the NBA is the short tonight. Earliest game doesn't come out until 7.30, right? Okay, good. Yeah. So we can throw those out. It, it, actually, up to you guys. You want to throw it out real quick? Because we got let's good stuff it. going yeah, on Yeah, let's here. do it. We all right, quick, go ahead, only, only thing for me is the Knicks. I got the Knicks tonight. Had stuff in the Paris game that's done. Nothing else to give out. Give me the Knicks to cover tonight. You know, I forgot about the Paris game. Yeah. I was so pissed off. I was like, what the hell are the Nets doing playing right now? It's 3 p.m. <laughs> Uh, I only got a couple tonight. I like the Blazers, 12.5-point dogs against OKC. I just really like this spot. I mean, Oklahoma City played just last night. It's the tail end of a back-to-back, and they had some travel in between. They played the Heat last night, so they were in Miami. Now they come back home. So I just think this is a good uh, good spot for the Blazers to at least keep it close. And I'm going to continue to fade the Bucs until they start playing defense. And they have the rest advantage in this game. So coming into today, I thought this would be a good spot. And I know you got a much better number. I got the Celtics at 2.5. But Milwaukee's 2-7 and seven against the number with a rest advantage, and Boston's 4-2 and two against the spread with no rest. I know KP's out, but the Bucks really struggling right now just defensively overall. But mid-range jumpers, they're 28th, and they're struggling with shots at the rim. They're 17th there. So I think Boston, even without KP, probably going to get it done tonight. They're shooting a ton of threes. They're six shooting the three right now. Uh, I like the Celtics in this spot. So Celtics and the Blazers for me, two dogs. That's it. When did KP get ruled out? Because I was looking at the M- NBA injury report. And maybe like an hour ago. And the only player that I saw that was out was Al Horford. So I think KP might give it a go unless I got Let me some see. bad NBA injury info. Uh, right now. He yeah, wasn't actually, even you're on right. the injury report. Yeah, actually, you're right. He's he in. playing. Yeah, he's yeah, playing so tonight. The Celtics are fully, fully loaded. Yeah. The only guy is the ghost of Al Horford that's <laughs> out. The Bucks aren't missing anybody either. I was wondering maybe that was why the line moved yeah. down. But it's not. Damian Lillard's playing. Uh, Brooke Lopez is playing. Giannis is playing. Obviously, yeah, just Crowder's out. That's it. Crowder is out. Yeah, so Giannis He's is obviously out. pissed yeah. out. Yeah, pissed off. He doesn't want to play anymore for this team, I don't think. Jake Crowder. He's been really mm-hmm. dealing with some significant injuries, too. So, yeah, I like the Celtics. I took the Celtics actually plus five and a half this morning. I had no idea why that number was <laughs> what it was, but I had to jump on it. Like you said, Ryan, with no rest, the Celtics are 4-2 and two against the spread. Feels like a good spot for them to win outright, actually. Um, I also have... A couple of things. I love. I have the the Knicks as well. This is just a great spot for the Knicks. Yeah. You've got no Luca. Uh, Derek Lively still out with an injury. They've been playing awesome since the OG and OB trade. I think they've won every single game and have covered pretty much every single game as well. Uh, so I like <clears> the Knicks in this spot. I did do a, a make a parlay in this game. Isaiah Hartenstein ten rebounds. He's been awesome ever since Mitchell Robinson went down with injury. Mm-hmm. But with no Derek Lively and no Luka there to snatch up rebounds, too. I like Isaiah Hartenstein to get 10 rebounds. Uh, I also like Kyrie Irving to get rebounds. In his uh, four games since he's play- come back from injuries, he's had 8, 8, 9, and I think uh, 10 rebounds in those four games. So 8 rebounds for him is, is a huge number. It's what changes the parlay completely. Um, but I like him in this spot, especially without Derek Lively and without Luka. So I like that. Eight rebounds for Kyrie, ten rebounds for Hartenstein. Julius Randle, like I said before, has changed his game completely. A lot of points in the paint, a lot more drives, a lot less three-point shots that are contested. So I like him to get 25 points. And then Dante DiVincenzo, who's been a deflection monster, and I think he really benefits from OG Ananobi coming into this team. He plays more of his natural position as like a kind of a pesky guy off ball. So for him to get one steal, those four together – uh, just the player props, not the side, plus 625. There you go. 
Yeah, I like that. I like the Vincenzo tonight, too. I was going to play too. some of his props. Speaking of those Bucks, we'll talk to Sparky Pfeiffer later in the show, too. Uh, Packers and, of course, the, uh, the Boo Birds that have been coming out from Milwaukee. Maybe we'll hear them tonight. Might just hear it. You never the Boo know. Birds. Boo Birds. All right, so we have the odds now for the next team that Bill Belichick is going to coach as he's no longer the head coach of the New England Patriots. And the favorite at even money is the Atlanta Falcons. The I Atlanta don't... Falcons and Bill Belichick. It just doesn't make sense to me, and I don't. I, 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 they are an offensively minded team, and he is not an offensive coach. I just don't see it. I heard a name. Uh, made me a little excited and a little scared. For the Falcons? No, for Bill Belichick. Oh, okay. Oh, a team, you mean? Team. Yeah, uh-huh. I heard a name of a team. Okay. A Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. I heard the Cowboys. <laughs> the unnamed team? Unnamed team. <laughs> Makes sense, right? Yeah. I mean, the number, so Dallas this week, they opened as eight-point favorites against Green Bay at home, where they haven't lost all season. They're 6-2 and two against the spread. What yet. they do? More money comes in on Green Bay today. It's down to seven. It's down to a touchdown. And if Mike McCarthy loses this game to the Packers as a touchdown favorite at home, he's most likely going to lose his job. And that would make sense. Especially because especially because Jerry Jones, like he doesn't he just wants the Super Bowl before it's all said and done. Like, mm-hmm. let's be honest, before he dies, before yep. he passes away. So if you get a guy like Bill O'Brien, uh, Bill O'Brien, I'm sorry, Bill Belichick, you definitely don't want Bill O'Brien. Although unfortunately, maybe you do get him as your OC, because that's what I keep asking myself is who's gonna be Bill's OC? Josh McDaniels. It's, it's either probably it would probably be Josh yeah. McDaniels or Bill O'Brien, yep. though. Like who else is going to come and run that team? Josh McDaniels is always where he's had the most you don't success. Want Matt I, yeah, yeah. Definitely don't want Matt Patricia. <laughs> I think it's Josh McDaniels. I do too. So um, that would make sense, though, because then Jerry's like, hey, I have nothing to do with the football team. I'll come down on the sidelines every once in a while in the fourth quarter at halftime, you know, and whatnot. But you could control the team. You could control the draft. He's in charge that of the That sounds horrible, though, because I, I think Bill Belichick has no idea how to identify talent. I'm with you, but I think it's an upgrade over Mike McCarthy if you lose the Green Bay. And right. I don't know that Dallas loses this game. I do like the Packers to cover eight, seven and a half. I don't know about seven. Um, we can't have him as de facto GM, though. He can coach, just not not draft players. I would like. I feel like Dallas would be a better fit than Atlanta because of what you said, Nick. For like sure. Atlanta right now, now they spent the fourth most money on the defensive side of the ball. But like a lot of those guys are aging. The defense got a little bit better, but if they're going to win games, it's going to be because of that offense. Going to be because of the offense and all that speed, right? Like Bijan and... Drake London, and they have a really good offensive line. They should have a good offensive line. It's a great spot for ben, uh, ben Johnson. Yeah, and they just requested an interview. I think that's where he goes, man. I think it's going to be Washington. Or the Chargers. Ben you Johnson? Think, you think Ben Johnson to Washington? Ben Johnson to Washington is sounding more and more likely. And I was talking to some people today. It's it's they they are they, He's their number one target. They love him, and they want to pair him with Adam Peters, the assistant general manager from the 49ers, who spent time with the Patriots and the Broncos, too. And Washington is looked at as like, the premier, if not one, besides maybe the Chargers, as the premier job for somebody to have. I just said this today, like three times, man. I think if I could pick my job right now, I call me crazy because you don't even have your quarterback yet. I might prefer that job, Atlanta or Washington, mm-hmm. for me. Because, mm-hmm. but the problem in Atlanta is you don't have a top five pick, so you're probably going to have to move up to get your quarterback. And I'm not running it back with Desmond Ritter. Maybe Can't I move that. up for like Jaden Daniels or I trade for Justin Fields. But in Washington, you're in such a great situation. Like, maybe the Bears want to move back. I don't think so. I think they're taking Caleb Williams. But this is a good year where we talk. It's kind of like Ja Morant and Zion, where yes. you know you had to take Zion yep. number one, but Ja was probably going to be the better player with the longer Didn't I career. literally say yeah. that to you last yeah. night? Yep. 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 And yeah. so you look at this, and it's like, man, you get Drake May, who I think is most likely going to be the better quarterback, but he doesn't have the higher ceiling, and that's a good situation. And then you look at the rest of the division, you know, Dallas – Philadelphia, maybe not as good as we thought, especially so Philadelphia. The difference between like the Chargers job and the Washington job is do you want to go to a team that's in win now mode 
where you like the quarterback that's already there, you like majority of the way the roster is constructed, or do you want to go to a team that's just a big ball of clay that you get to mold into whatever you want? For a general manager and for a head coach, it really just depends on what those priorities are. So if you're Bill Belichick, you don't want to rebuild the team. Yeah. So I think the Chargers make a lot of sense to him. But you're going to need a yeah. good offensive mind there. Maybe Kellen Moore stays, and if he wants to stay as the offensive coordinator, but then you got to figure, is he going to have control over player personnel? There's a lot of that stuff to think about. If you're a younger head coach, like a, a Ben Johnson, who is so unique in terms of the schemes that he has and the way that each week you don't know what he's going to do because he mixes things up and he's taking all these different uh, you know, pieces from other offenses and put them together into this unique thing that he's built now, he's going to want that ball of clay that he can mold and turn into something yeah. on his own and pick his own quarterback and grow that guy and turn it into like the whole team. And if you're a general manager that comes from the 49ers, well, what did the 49ers do when it was John Lynch, right? They built that thing from scratch, yeah. and they went out there and they found very versatile players. So that's kind of – that right there, that mindset of the way the 49ers built their team is the way that Ben Johnson could succeed the most because if you look – the, the Lions offense right now has guys that can do multiple things, right? Can be threats out of the backfield as a running back. Can be used on end-arounds as a wide receiver. So those two make perfect sense in Washington together because the philosophies will be similar. And you get to do everything from the ground up. And you're going to be the hero no matter what because everything's been so terrible. You go in and just win seven games next year and you're like, hey, we're on the right track in Washington. Here we go. Yeah, and like when you think and you think both organizations, what's what's so good about the Chargers job other than Justin Herbert? You know what I mean? Because Mike, Mike Williams, I know. <laughs> Mike Williams, but you have no home field advantage. Yeah. Right? No matter who you play in the playoffs, you're probably going to have to go silent count because nobody cares except for that the, the plant, the plant lady that they put at every game. There's no, <laughs> I like her. Her and, and Jeff no, Feinberg. No, she's genuine, man. It's not fake. Her and Feinberg are the only Charger fans <laughs> I know on this planet. And myself because I bet them every year to win the division. <laughs> the Chargers job, though, you get Justin Herbert, but Mike Williams and Keenan Allen never could stay on the field, and you're probably going to have to cut one of those guys because they're both making $30 million. Mm -hmm. Quentin Johnston looks like a bust. Corey Lindsley, who I think is the best center in football, is going to have to retire. And then on the defensive side Eckler of the ball, too. none of those guys, yeah, and you're not going to have Austin Eckler unless you franchise tag him again, and I don't, he ain't going to play for that. And then on the defensive side of the ball, Joey Bosa, never healthy. Cleo Mack, another year older. Mm -hmm. J.C. Jackson, gone. I like Derwin James. But, yeah, I would rather have the Washington job because you have Terry McLaurin, who's only needed a quarterback. Yep. You have pretty good running backs. Yeah, the secondary is an absolute mess. But, like, you could fix a defense with the right coordinator in a, in a year or two. Look what Brian Flores yep. did for Minnesota. And you get to pick your quarterback. And the best part about it, you don't have to see Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs twice a year. That's why I don't want the Chargers job. The Chiefs are going to go out and spend some money at the wide receiver position or get one of these guys in the draft. There's no chance. They led the league in drops. You think Mahomes is going to run it back with MVS and Sky Moore? I think they all go except <laughs> for Sky Moore, Moore and Rasheed Rice. Yeah, Rice will be back, and they probably, I don't know, um, we'll see what ends up happening. Like, if one of these guys ends up getting moved, like a Devontae Adams or something, I can see that. Or T. Higgins. T. Higgins, Higgins to Kansas City. Carrington came sense. on uh, from Kansas City last night and said that T. Higgins is one of their top targets. For Kansas City? Yep. Oh, I think man. he gets franchised in Cincy, though. Imagine that, because they hate each other, oh too. God, I mean, even right? Jamar Chase the other night, he's like, I don't care who wins the Super Bowl as long as it's not the Chiefs. Yeah. Imagine if T. Higgins goes there. Oh, that would be incredible for the rivalry. Yeah. Yeah, so that's why, that's the only thing about the Chargers job. Yeah, Herbert's great, mm -hmm. but that organization is a dumpster Tough fire. Tough division to be into. Yeah, and but you have Mahomes twice a year. But and maybe the Broncos if, it if you love Herbert, you know you've at least already got your quarterback. There always still is the question. You can draft a guy number two overall and think he projects as a great quarterback. 
back. Doesn't yeah. mean that they pan out. I right. mean, how many times have we seen that with guys in the first round? It's happened more times than we can count. So it really depends on the priorities. But I think Ben Johnson might be the guy in Washington. Uh, let's look at some props, maybe some DFS. James Coe next. Bet MGM tonight. Now, back to Bet MGM tonight. Here are Nick Ashu, Trista Crick, and Ryan Horvath on the BetQL Network, presented by Bet MGM. <laughs> So because this whole coaching carousel is so interesting in the NFL, we uh we came up with a little potential scenario for Tristan's Dallas Cowboys and their coaching staff if uh, they lose to the Packers this weekend. Yeah. Bill Belichick, the head coach. Mike Vrabel, the defensive coordinator, if he doesn't get a head coaching job or doesn't like what's out there. And then Mike McDaniel is the offensive coordinator. That's your staff. We've just built it for Bill Belichick. And, oh, Jared would be so happy. I would love to have all those names here. We would win ourselves another Super Bowl. Seems too good to be true that Dallas loses this game. Uh, I don't think they're losing. I'm fine losing my Dallas futures if the Packers beat them. Because, like, if the Packers yeah. get past Dallas, man, I don't know. They could be a dangerous team. They would stand no chance against San Francisco, though, with that deep. See, no here, here's the thing. Like, in a perfect world, this makes Debo sense. would cook you. Because Dallas can't stop the run. Aaron Jones has three straight 100-yard games. Jordan Love's playing out of his mind. But at the end of the day, it's Joe Barry and his zone defense <laughs> against Dak Prescott, CeeDee Lamb, and Jake Ferguson and all those weapons. And I know Dallas struggles to run the ball, but I just, like, Joe Barry gave up a 300-yard passing performance to Bryce Young. He allowed Tommy DeVito to be NFC Player of the Week. Baker Mayfield had a perfect QB rating on the road at Lambeau Field. He's not even healthy, so that's why... I just, I don't know if I could do it, guys. I think the Cowboys might roll in this game and hang like 40. You like the over? I do like the over. So though. do yeah. I. Yeah, I like the over. Unless Mike McCarthy really wants to stick it to the Packers and starts doing some really stupid stuff in the fourth quarter. You know, See, all of a sudden, Zeke comes out of the stands, lines up at center. That by God, that Zeke's music, Ryan. Yeah, I yeah. remember that like it was yesterday. <laughs> oh man, I was in up. Buffalo. <laughs> just, just literally has had been in the cold all day long, to the point where I couldn't even find a respite. I had to go into the gift shop to try to get some warmth, and they kicked me out because I wasn't buying anything. That's how cold that stadium was. And I was in there for hours. I had to leave that stadium in the fourth quarter, even though I was trying to thug it out. And then I had to go and watch my team get the crap kicked out of them. <laughs> I fell asleep. Worse. I fell asleep during the game. I was so sad and cold. <sighs> None of those things are a good combination. No. James Coe and uh, BetMGM tonight's a great combination, though. It jumps on Indeed. in his usual spot. Reception Perception Podcast. Uh, so when we look at these games as a whole, you know what? I really just want to know what you look at and say, this is a great matchup. This is where some of the most intriguing matchups are for players. Not just in a, a, a props perspective, but let's not forget, we still have DFS going on in fantasy, so people can still jump in. Fresh rosters every single week. I'm going to dabble in a couple of you know rosters this weekend, too. So what stands out to you the most? Uh, you got to love what you're seeing here from a DFS perspective in regards to this Detroit Lions game, right? Especially the passing assets. I think what we, we, and what we love about that game is what we know what we're going to get, right? We're going to get a lot of Puka. We're going to get a lot of Cooper Cup. I think we're going to get a ton of Amon Ross St. Brown as well. So, uh, again, I think if you're building a DFS roster, I think you start right there, right? So, um, it's a pretty good starting point. And then from a player prop perspective too, man, I just, again, hammer those overs man puka uh puka and cooper cup aren't just beautiful i mean beautiful matchups okay detroit has been giving up ton of production to the slot and to the outside the second most receptions the most yards to both slot receivers and outside wide receivers i think matt stafford's gonna eat 
Great, great point. And the one question and one reservation I have about Cooper Cup is he feels very boomer bust, James. Like you've got 111 against Washington, 115 against Baltimore, 148 against Arizona. But then there were a lot of games where it was 29, 48 yards. How do you know whether it's a, a Cooper Cup explosion game or it's a Puka game? Because it rarely is both in terms of huge games. I think to your point, you're 100% correct. But I think in this particular game, I really feel like everyone's going to get theirs. Because the one thing we know is that Detroit right now, um, it's the most hard, you know, pass funnel defense we've got. As a matter of fact, actually what's really funny about this game is that they're both really hard pass funnels, right? Their rushing defenses for both teams right now are on point. They're looking nice. You know what I'm saying? So um, I, I would hate to bet against Kyron. But if there's one person who might be the odd man out right here, it might be Kyron Williams. Detroit's really short up their running defense, and so has the Rams. I just feel like this is going to be one of those things where maybe early on both teams try to establish that run, and it's not going to work. So then they kind of sort of open it up with the passing game, and then I think we see fireworks in the second half. James, I wanted to ask you actually about Amari Cooper because the last time we saw him against the Texans, he absolutely torched right. him. 11 receptions, over 200 <laughs> receiving yards, two touchdowns. Yeah. He's been resting two weeks, and they're going against this Texans secondary. Is he an autoplay in DFS and for player props this week, or does the uh, injury scare you away a little bit? No, I think he's an autoplay. You know, Houston obviously has struggled against outside wide receivers. You know, again, you talk about Amari Cooper, 265 versus Houston in this matchup just two weeks ago, right? Um, five of the – I'll give you guys a stat here, okay? Um, smash, by the way, smash the over of 73-and-a-half. I just – it's like shocking how low that number is to me, okay? Because um, five of the last seven primary outside wide receivers – that Houston has faced has been have gone over 73 receiving yards okay so again we just saw Amari in this matchup go for 265 five of the last seven primary outside guys have gone over 73 as well I love 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 that line for Amari Cooper I just wanted to say uh it looks like Amari Cooper to have 120 yards James Plus 475. That's just, just wanted to make that comment. <laughs> yeah, you want to dabble in that, maybe? Line? Let's go. I, I, I kind of dig it, to be honest with you. Let's, hey, let's build a crazy parlay off of that. I like that. Let's just go. Just drop a little fiber in there. We'll, we'll build some anytime touchdowns in there. We'll do that, and we'll toss in Joe Flacco attempts. It's 36 yeah. and a half. This was one of my favorite bets when he was with the Jets, and I've been doing the same thing with the Browns. It, taking out the Jets game, he only had 29 attempts. He had 42 against Houston the last time they played, through for 368, 44 against Chicago, 45 against Jacksonville, 44 against the Rams. Like, it's crazy we're having this conversation, man, but Joe Flacco is like is an upgraded quarterback from anything that they've had this year, and they spent $250 million on a quarterback that looks like he can't even play the position anymore. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's crazy because Deshaun Watson, it, it really gives you an idea of, like, how important the mental state is of some of these athletes, you know. He just does, I mean, like, look, physically, I think he's fine. But mentally, he just mm -hmm. he doesn't got it anymore, man. Like, he's in his own head. You heard these reports about him hiring a sports psychologist. Like, yo, man, like, these guys, I mean, Marshawn said it best, man. Protect your mentals. 
You know, protect your mm-hmm. mentals. His, his mentals aren't there right now, man. Um, and, and who knows? Because it's such like a fragile thing. Who knows if he ever gets it back? You know what I mean? So I don't know, man. I mean, to your point, um, you, you love the, the, the player props on, on Joe Flacco in terms of the pass attempts because Houston's really tough against the run, too. You know, ever since their bye week in week number seven, um, four of the last five running backs that they have faced have rushed for fewer than 50, you know, 50 rushing yards, right? This includes Ford, Jerome Ford, who posted just 25 rush yards two weeks ago. That's why, for me, if I'm looking at a rushing prop for Jerome Ford, I hate betting unders. I hate betting unders. But 44.5 to me feels uh, like a pretty good number if you do want to bet the under for Jerome Ford. One of the tactics, James, that have been like super profitable, one of the only things that have been profitable in terms of betting on any Kansas City props has been taking these like sort of sneaky role player wide receivers where you get reception numbers right around one and a half, like say a Justin Watson. But that was the regular season. What are we doing with those kind of guys in the playoffs? Because it feels to me a little bit like Mahomes is going to go with his tried and true in a win or go home sort of scenario. Yeah, I mean, for me, to be honest with you, I know that Miami has struggled against teams with winning records. I mean, struggled is is putting it very nicely, okay? They've outright sucked versus teams with winning <laughs> records. But uh, I do think that the four-point spread to me feels a little high. I, I do like Miami to cover that. I think KC's going to win a very close one. Um, to me, this feels like a game where they just try to survive in advance. They've got the bad weather going on. It's going to feel like... You know, I mean, super cold weather situation. I was going to say some some not nice words, and that was not going to be good. Anyways, but <laughs> the bottom line is it's cold weather. It's a bad weather situation out there. I think they're just going to try to sort of get by. They're going to try to sort of skate by there. Um, and, and, and to me, it feels like a lower-scoring game. Um, you talk about some of these wide receivers. Uh, to that point, I'm not trusting nobody except Rasheed Rice. That's it. I will go ahead and take the over of 63 and a half receiving yards because low key, he's been the focal point of this offense. And I'm talking over Travis Kelsey, you know, it's been Rasheed. It's been the Rasheed Rice show. Um, and to be honest with you, Rice has been over 63 in four of his last five games. Again, I think low-key, the passing game runs through Rasheed Rice. And by the way, Miami, extremely suspect against slot wide receivers. They've defended against the six fewest slot passes, but they've given up the 12th most yards to receivers in the slot. Their bottom 10 in yards per attempt allowed to inside wide receivers. I think Rasheed Rice easily hits 63 and a half here. Do you do anything with any wide receivers in the Steelers-Bills game? Because we're looking at a total where it's 35 and a half. We know that it's going to be windy. There's going to be terrible weather. In Buffalo, I mean, right now, you know, since they fired, uh, you know, since, since they actually made the switch at offensive coordinator and moved on from Ken Dorsey, they become more of like a running team. And I think Josh Allen's probably yep. going to use his legs a lot in the red zone in this game. And then the Steelers, you never know what you're going to get with Mason Rudolph. And Najee Harris has been electric the last three weeks. So would you do anything with any receivers or any passing props in this game even? I most certainly would not. Um, I, I don't feel, I'm not feeling it. As you mentioned, the weather, the matchup right now doesn't feel that great yeah. too. You know, and the other thing too, I would say about on Buffalo side, the reason I'm not messing with their receivers either is, 
It's the fact that Buffalo just has this tendency to play down to their level of competition. I mean, tell me if I'm wrong here, guys. Like, doesn't Pittsburgh feel like the exact kind of team that's going to come out and shock Buffalo? Because Buffalo doesn't know mm-hmm. how to play bad teams, right? They don't know how to play bad. I don't know what it is about Buffalo's DNA, but they don't know how to play bad teams. They don't blow them out. You know what I mean? They play down to the level of competition. Look, I know TJ Watt is hurt, and that's kind of sort of what's um, giving me a little bit of pause going full bore into the Steelers uh, in this matchup. But again, from a player prop perspective, I'm staying away. I don't know if Josh Allen, you know, plays his best game in these conditions. Um, and, and for me, I like James Cook a lot. You know what I mean? Give me the mm-hmm. over 65 and a half rushing yards. I think Pittsburgh at, at times, at various times this season, has certainly struggled against the run. They've leaned on James Cook, as you mentioned, uh, ever since they got rid of Ken Dorsey. And, and I just think they do it more in these adverse weather conditions. Yeah, you also talk about Buffalo and think, what Buffalo team are we going to even get? How many turnovers is Josh Allen going to have? That That's the other thing, and it's going to be snowy. Right. There's just so much with that Buffalo team that's so damn frustrating. Talking to James Cope at MGM tonight, uh, the Eagles are dealing with a Jalen Hurts finger injury. A.J. Brown's missing practice now, and he's hurt. They don't have to wait. You know, they got a little extra time, right? They're not playing until Monday. They play Tampa. This is a game that you just... I kind of feel like you don't know even what to expect in this. We're waiting on Baker Mayfield to see how healthy he is, too. And the Eagles are... a, a uh, they're a mess. Like, is there anything in this game that you even like that you're comfortable with? <laughs> I Well, first of all, I love Mike Evans, right? Like, um, and, and, you know, rightfully so because the Eagles – dude, low-key, do, do the Eagles have the worst defense in the NFL? I'm, I'm legitimately mm. asking. At this point, as we Well, maybe the playoffs, if you watch my commanders play enough, you would say, oh, no, wait, that was actually probably <laughs> a worse defense, so <laughs> – I mean, but you know what, though? You know what, though? There's not a worse pass defense in the NFL right now than the Philadelphia Eagles. And I'm including the Washington Commanders. The Commanders are absolute trash, and the Eagles are just as bad. But not only that, they're terrible against the run, too. So I'm just... I'm honestly asking, do the Eagles, as we sit here today, have the worst defense overall defense in the entire NFL? They might. They might, which is why we, there's all these questions about Baker May. The, the one tried and true thing we know is that Rashad White, my boy White, is going to get that ball, man. He's going to play a lot of snaps. He's going to get the ton of touches. Whatever the props are for Rashad White, go ahead and give it to me, man, because Philadelphia, they stink against the run. Rashad White's going to get the ball. If, if, um, if Baker's hurt, he's going to get the ball even more. Okay, so go ahead and give me Rashad White in this matchup. So we already talked about Amari Cooper, who we liked at an alternate number. But for you, who is the player, the star player that you're most confident in at taking an alternate number in? Say 100 yards, even over 100 yards. It probably feels like Mike Evans again. You know, I I know Baker's dealing with that ankle injury, but I'm just this this defense is just atrocious. Not seeding. And to me. CeeDee Lamb is really, really tempting, too. Um, I'm not going to lie, but I just love, love, love this matchup uh, on the outside because, again, Darius Slay, James Bradbury, they've been getting absolutely shredded by everyone. Mike Evans is actually, uh, again, turning against father time here, man. He's fighting it. He's fighting it hard. He's been truly one of the 12 best receivers in the NFL this year, and I think he gets it done one more time in the wild card round against Philadelphia. 
Yeah, looking at CeeDee Lamb, too. Jair Alexander, like, rolled his ankle or something in a jog through today. So yep. there's there's Hate all that. So that doesn't that definitely doesn't help the Packers <laughs> secondary at all. James Coe, Reception Perception yeah. Podcast. Great I to talk to you, I wore my chains for you, James. <laughs> Try chains in the building. Let's go. I think that's a lot more than three, if we're being honest here. I think it's like three times ten. There's like 30 different ones on there. See you, James. <laughs> yeah, that, that Jair Alexander thing is something to watch. Yeah, because the Packers actually played some man last week mm-hmm. on third downs. They're not going to be able to do that without Jair. And you can't play zone against Dallas. Or it's going to be a long day. No, um, but I'm with you, I'm with you, Trista, too. I, I, C.D. Lamb, I just, he's an automatic now every single Have week. To. You just, I mean, the guy's feeling it. He's been one of the hottest receivers in the NFL. Uh, what home team is most likely to get upset this weekend? It's been on GM the night. It's time for a short commercial break. Don't go anywhere, though, because we'll be right back with even more BetMGM Tonight. Presented by BetMGM. Live from BetQL. It's not different. <laughs> it's not. Everybody wants to make it different. It's not different. Like, it's just a matter of, like I told our team today, we've been getting better throughout the year. Each and every week we've gotten better. We just have to stay on that track, keep getting better, keep playing sound, keep playing relentless, play clean football if we do that. And that's all that matters, right? We focus on playing good good football. It doesn't matter that it's the playoffs. The game doesn't change. We're back with Trista, Ryan, and Nick on BetMGM Tonight on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM. Well, D'Amico Ryan's the game may not change because it's still football, but the uh, the stakes are a little bit higher. So if you have that attitude, though, that's good for the Texans. And really, let's be honest with ourselves, guys. They got they got nothing to lose. You're playing with house money. The Texans have gone so far above anybody's expectations this year. I would even argue, and they wouldn't say it publicly within the building. I would say they probably exceeded like realistic expectations for themselves. Oh yeah. But that's what can make a team very dangerous. Is yeah, we're not supposed to be here. Let's just go out and play the way that we played. Yeah, C.J. Stroud operating like it's uh, just his backyard, and he's indoors. There's no weather. He's got his guy, Nico Collins, who's been absolutely electric. I'm a little worried to take any of his props because the Browns' pass defense has been pretty good, mm-hmm. and Nico Collins did not have a good game the last time they played. I don't think any receivers had uh, good games against the Browns um, for the Texans. Yeah, but it's been awesome, like an awesome season for him because, remember, we thought this was going to take a couple of years. Jacksonville, obviously, like didn't live up to expectations, but remember D'Amico Ryans? Every coach that gets hired in Houston, you're thinking like they have a two- to three-year lifespan. Remember he got like what was it, five or six years guaranteed? Mm-hmm. Yep. So we thought it was going to be a little bit of a rebuild. And then a lot of people criticized because they got their two guys right away. Remember, they moved up for Stroud and Will Anderson. Because mm-hmm. I think really they wanted to take Will Anderson. But you have to go quarterback number one, ego kind of thing. Yeah, you know? yeah. And so uh, people ripped it, and they got it right. I know C.J. Stroud isn't the best test taker, but, man, he's <laughs> awesome. And I really want to bet the Texans, especially if we get back to three. But the matchup, I just don't really like the matchup. I love C.J. Stroud. He's great against zone defense and against cover three, but he's not really good against man, and the Browns play the highest rate of man. And like you said, Tristan, like, if they had a couple guys that could take the top off of defense, because on standard downs, I think they're going to get shut down by the Browns. I know the Browns are like a little bit better at home, a lot better at home than they are on the road defensively, but I don't know. Like, with all the injuries, if they had Tank Dell in this game, right? you know, because I think that that's the way that you could take advantage of the Browns, deep shots down the field, and they just don't really have a burner. And maybe it's just because, you know, we're talking about no C.J. Stroud, and it was Case Keenum and Davis Mills, but it was like 200-and-something yards, passing yards. Devin Singletary didn't have a good game. We only had nine carries. Dalton Schultz was the big guy in terms of receptions. 
He had eight receptions and 61 yards. But other than that, Nico Collins, four receptions for 18 yards. Devin Singletary, three for 19. Noah Brown, three for 38. And Brevin Jordan, two for 27. So big tight end game. I'd be very curious to see if that's the game plan with a guy like C.J. Stroud instead of you know, less capable quarterbacks like Davis Mills and Case Keenum who yeah. are probably going underneath a lot more. Yeah. You played the over in this game. You yeah. guys all played the over in this I game? I did. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I felt like indoors, it was 36-22 and there was no C.J. Stroud. I feel like C.J. Stroud would be able to put up a little bit more of a fight than they did. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And, like, you saw what Amari Cooper just did. What was that, two weeks ago? Three yep. weeks ago? Yeah, he had 260. Oh, and three, he had, what do you have? 11 grabs, 262, 265. Two yeah. Yep, and, and two grabs. Yeah, Flacco's going to air it out, guys. Yeah. My, He's just going to throw the hell out of the football. My favorite bet on the board is really Amari Cooper, 120 yards receiving. Um, that's plus 485. I don't know why that number is what it is, but I've decided that my my new strategy in the NFL season is like almost over. But this is my strategy moving forward. And if you guys remind me, maybe next season, that'd be great. And NBA would be good, too. Is you just take, like, alternate, a little bit alternate lower numbers or the minus 110 numbers for 90% of the parlay, and then just choose one player that you're confident that it's going to go off. Mm -hmm. And that'll turn a parlay that's normally plus 1,200 into a parlay that's, like, plus 4,500. That one key piece between Amari Cooper at 70. Two and a half yards, or whatever it is, yeah. to 120 mm-hmm. is the difference between 12 to one and 45 yep. to one. That that five, 50 yards, and I know that's crazy, but he had 265 yards last time. Well, it makes sense. You're taking something that's like what plus 425 by itself, 485, or 485. So yeah, you drop that into a parlay. That's going to skyrocket everything. When Changes normally, everything. normally it's the minus 110 numbers or minus 200 if you're taking mm-hmm. some of those alternates or wherever you go. All right, so the Texans are two point dogs at home. The Chiefs are four and a half point favorites at home. The Bills are 10 point favorites. Favorites against the Steelers at home. Cowboys a touchdown favorite against the Packers. Lions a field goal favorite against the Rams. And the Bucks are uh, three-point dogs at home Monday night against the Eagles. Out of all of those home teams, who in your eyes is most likely to be upset this weekend? The easiest one for me feels like Tampa because if you look at it on paper, obviously Philadelphia is a better team. You think maybe they're healthy enough. They get things together. Playoffs, clean slate, fresh start. Tampa really shouldn't be in the playoffs. They won the division. That's That's the easy one. But I'm kind of starting to worry about the Bills a little bit more. Yeah. Like, if it's going to be a snowy, sloppy game, mm-hmm. Josh Allen starts turning the ball over a bunch. That's, I know that's a big number, but you got Mike Tomlin out there coaching a team that's really overachieving. They run the hell out of the football. They play smart football. They disrupt Josh Allen, even without T.J. Watt. At, the Bills are a team we don't know what we're going to get week by week. If he maybe took the Bucks out of it, you almost kind of feel like even with that big number, the Bills are in line to maybe just, only because it'd be their own self-inflicted wounds, not that it would be like the Steelers going out there and putting up 35 in the snow. To me, it's, it's very simply the Lions. Uh, I think the Rams are the most dangerous team left in the playoffs that aren't the contender contenders, right? The teams that have the buys, the teams that are playing with great momentum. I mean, what the Rams have is a complete, a complete core of weapons, right? You've got Tyler Higbee, who's been there forever. Cooper Cup came back from injury, and he looks really good. Puka Nakua came out of absolutely nowhere as a rookie. Kyron Williams, I don't think anyone expected him to do this either. And we know, and we've heard this before from folks who cover the Rams, is really that the running game has opened everything up for Sean McVay to do all the trickery that he's so you know known for. So I think it's the Rams. I think the Rams to win the NFC. I took it. Uh, 20 to 1 already. I took it again this morning. I just like the number. I think the path is great. 
And then it sets up for a divisional rivalry in the NFC title game, I think, you know, for, for Rams-Niners. Yeah, so, okay, with, with Tampa Bay, now that we're back at three, even at three, I want to fade the Eagles. I just don't think this is the opportunity. I just don't trust Todd Bowles and a beat-up Baker Mayfield. I know how bad that defense is. I just feel like this is a really good buy-low spot, actually, on the Eagles. And to be honest, I really wouldn't be shocked if the Eagles went into Dallas and beat the Cowboys, as, as bad as they're trending right now. I'm not, I'm not really sold on the Cowboys. And I'm with you on the Rams, though. Like, especially because we know the Rams' pass defense isn't great, but you still have Aaron Donald. You can still get after the quarterback a little bit. And all of a sudden, like the last eight weeks of the season, they're top 10 against the run. Um, and, really quickly about Bucks, to just yeah. your point, because I have a chance to it kind of accentuate what you were saying, is the last time we saw the Bucks play the Eagles, it was on Thursday night football. We were here in this room, and the Buccaneers got absolutely mollywopped. And yeah. I know it's a different team. I know there's injuries. And the defense is much worse, et cetera, et cetera. But this offense for the Bucks right now is a little shaky. We saw them put up what nine points. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like if Baker Mayfield's fully healthy, it's just I don't, I don't trust them. But, but again, like I won't be shocked if the Eagles lose. Look at the way See, that they're that's what makes right it now. so yeah. difficult. It's like you yeah. don't trust the Eagles right now well, either. Pass defense is terrible. I still like their defensive line. And then offensively, like they're moving at like a snail's pace. Jalen walks up to the line of scrimmage, snaps the ball with like two seconds left. I mean, what we're figuring out, if you go back two years ago, remember when the offense completely flipped was when Shane Steichen took over play calling? Yep. Because when Nick Sirianni was calling plays, it was a disaster. That's why I won't be shocked if Nick Sirianni loses his job. If they lose if they lose that game to Tampa, he could get fired. I mean, dude, you have, like, Matt Patricia is bad. I thought it was just, like, Matt Patricia can't coach offense. He can't coach defense either when Bill Belichick isn't there <laughs> or Steve Belichick. So, yeah, that one I'm not sold on. Um, I'm with you on the Rams, and the reason I think they're so dangerous in the NFC is just because San Francisco is a nightmare matchup for everybody, but the one way that you could attack them is by throwing the ball down the field. And Matthew Stafford, Puka, Tutu, uh, who hasn't really done much, but, I mean, Puka. You know. Had a couple of good weeks here and there. What scares me a little bit, though, is like if you shut Demarcus down... Demarcus Robinson. Demarcus Robinson. Mm-hmm. If you shut down Kyron Williams in their run game and you make them one-dimensional and you have Nick Bosa and Chase Young... Or even with Detroit, you know, with Hutchinson. They're really good getting after the quarterback. That's the only thing that scares me a little bit in the matchup is that the Lions are pretty good against the run. So if they completely take out Kyron Williams. That's a top five run defense You know Matthew Stafford is sensitive to pressure, Mm -hmm. and that's when he could turn the ball over a little bit. But I'm with you on the Rams. I bet them. But for me, I'm going to actually, I'll go, uh, I'll be contrarian here. And you know what? I ended up betting the Dolphins at four and a half. Did you really? Everybody's going to make the case against the Dolphins because they're a warm weather team. Looks like the weather right now is going to be five below at Arrowhead. (laughs) I know they're minus 91 this season against playoff teams. They've only beat one playoff team. It was the Cowboys. They beat them by what, one point? Uh, they have no pass rushers left, no Phillips, no Chubb. Now Van Ginkle's out. You're calling, like, the corpse of Mel- Melvin Ingram up from a practice Justin squad. Justin Houston's out Ju- there Justin now. Houston, who's, what, like 36 years uh, old? Yeah. But the Chiefs are dead last in run-stop win rate, and you have Mike McDaniels. That's his bread and butter, former run game coordinator for San Francisco. And the Chiefs are also 28th in EPA per rush. And so you could run the ball, man. And Miami has a top 10 offensive line running the ball, even with all those injuries. Now they're finally fully healthy on the offensive line. They're third in rushing efficiency. And Looks like Raheem Mostert's going to be back. I think I think he plays, and I think uh, Jalen Waddle plays. I know Tyreek's dinged. He's in a walking boot. He's going to play, he'll be yeah, fine. I saw that on Hard Knocks, and I was like, ooh, that's, that's bad. And everybody's going to talk about Tua and how bad he's been the last couple weeks, including myself. And he's really bad when he's under pressure. When Tua throws from a clean pocket, he's the number one quarterback in the league. By most metrics. When he's under pressure, he's outside the top 20. He's like Zach Wilson bad. But, like, the way that you get after Tua is you get natural pressure. When he's blitzed, 
Against the Blitz, which Spags loves to do, Kansas City's blitzing at the seventh highest rate. Tua's graded the number one quarterback against the Blitz. Mm. So I actually kind of like Miami in this game. I think they're going to beat Even Kansas with the City. Weather. Even with the weather. Like, you like most Chiefs... attempts? Or what would, what would be your favorite running back prop? Which player and, and which metric? Um, I might go just like anytime touchdown with both backs. A-chan and Mostert. Both of them. Yeah. I kind of like A-chan a little bit better in this matchup, though. I do think that they're going to be able to run the ball against Kansas City. And if you blitz Tua and they run those like little crosser routes, I think he gets rid of the ball quickly under 2.5 seconds. I think they're going to be able to move the ball. Problem is, though, are you going to get any sort of pass rush against Kansas City? Their offensive line, even though they're down compared to where they've been like the last four years, still pretty good. Mahomes in the playoffs is going to use his legs a Why little bit more. Why wouldn't they just stack the box, though? Knowing yeah. that Tua and the weather is bad, and then they can get after the quarterback. Quick throws. Yeah. Tyreek, just little crossers. Jalen Waddell, I think, will be healthy enough. They're going to shoot him up for this game. You could use your tight ends Tore a little bit off. in this game. Yeah, man. I mean, everybody's going to bet against them. And just the, the style of defense that the Chiefs play. They're so aggressive. Trent McDuffie, they use that corner blitz a lot. I just, I think Tua, if he gets rid of the ball quickly, could have some success here. And uh, I want that number to keep climbing, too. I didn't think we were going to get to four and a half. Is this the game of the week for you? No, no. Game of the week, um, I'm, I'm with you on the Rams. Yeah, I'm That's with you on the Rams. That's going to be the most exciting game. And the first half under an Eagles box. I would bet that now at 21 and a half. Yeah, I bet that already. You know, one thing I noticed with all of this, there are very few teams that we all have, like, significant confidence in this weekend. Like, just as a team. Maybe the Rams and yeah. the Browns. Yeah. And that's it. It's wide open this year, man. It, it really, really is. It's bad MGM tonight.